with nearly every success, there is a line of failures and setbacks, sometimes a very long line. Many of those stories get condensed into pithy journeys that minimize the struggle. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azalay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about triumph and disaster that Mark's guests faced and how they overcame the adversity to shine. Now, here's your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and I'm here with a very special guest, my best friend, Francesco Marsili. Now, this guy is one of America's brightest minds. He's literally put stuff on Mars. He's done laser communication across the cosmos. He's even done quantum teleportation, which he tries to explain to me, and I have no idea what he's talking about whatsoever. Now, Francesco, no one knows, right? Francesco is a really important part of the, the origin story of From the Ashes because he was the first person that I think I've actually talked to the Ashes about. We read a book called Iron John about ma- uh, masculinity, and Iron John talks about the ashes in them. Um, Francesco, you want to tell us a little bit about your understanding of what the ashes mean? What did you learn from yes. Robert Bly? So, so I read that book about, I must, maybe six uh, years ago. And uh, so I, the, what I remember about it is the, he talks about the ash, ash eaters in the Norse kind of culture, which were these young men that, uh, like, correct me if I'm wrong here. So they're like these young men that they just like basically live for, for a part of their life like in the ashes of this giant fire that uh, like the, the, the tribe used to keep in their like communal living situation. So mm-hmm. they basically like kind of took a break from life and they just like were in there until, until they figured out the next phase of their life or like their vocation or something like that. So my understanding of the ashes is basically... It's a, it's a taking a break, take a break and like snap from what your life has been so far, like destroy the patterns, like burn everything, reduce it to ash. And then from there, just like take a break, take a pause and rebuild. And that is very, very hard. Think about living in the, in the ashes of a fire. Yeah, it's really tough. And he talks about this like a catabasis process where it's like where everything falls apart and all your systems break down. And for a lot of people in modern time, a lot of men, it looks like a divorce. It looks like losing a job, maybe the death of a loved one, maybe a, a illness that comes on. You know, uh, for me, it was addiction recovery. It's this idea where everything snaps and you, yeah, you're just like, <laughs> it's a great metaphor. Yeah, you're, you're, like, you're, yeah. you're scribbled up in a hole and you just have to like bleed out. <laughs> Until you evolve, yeah. you know, your, your life disintegrates and, you know, you might stay there, you know, you might remain there unless you see. And I think uh, uh, we were lucky, you know, to have each other and to also read the books, like some books at the, exactly the right time. This is one of them. And like discover some philosophies at the same time, like at the right time, like, you know, the stoicism, like Buddhism, etc., where you need a certain certain mindset and certain tools to actually deal with with the ashes and the disintegration of like everything you thought you know and you know like your your self-image of being competent and and awesome and being in control to transcend it and grow otherwise yeah it's going to be like a pretty painful long experience (laughs) 
Yeah, and you might live there. You might get stuck. Yeah, you might live there. So you've been through a couple ashes periods in your life. Which one would you like to share with our listeners today? Yes, sure. The, I, uh, I I have a s- several ashes story. Like looking back, I think everyone can look at their lives and say, "Oh, like that's that's the ashes year. That's the ashes period where I look. I need this change." And we just like don't don't call it this like that way. So. My story is when is about the period where we were actually reading these books and like understanding how stoicism works and stuff like that. So it's about uh, it's about one year uh, that is like 2016 to 2017 that I called the year of the ashes for me because what happened there? So I was working. Uh, I'm in technology, so I'm a physicist, like electrical engineer. So I've done like a bunch of like uh, research in, in in many fields. At the time, I was working for NASA, and I was working on this like at the time like really cool for me project to to call basically to to set up a a high speed uh, communication link between Earth and Mars. Like if you want to like if you have uh, you know, Matt Damon on like Lost on Mark and you want on Mars and you want like Skype with him. You can't just use. I think like in the in the Martian, he uses like some kind of like a like a Vikings uh, probe to, to. So it's very low bandwidth, right? So, but if you want to Skype with him, then you need to do like all kinds of like use all kinds of tricks. Anyway, I was working on that, and for my career at the time, like my career trajectory, I was like you know, kind of an expert in the field, uh, was invited to the conferences. And I was basically, I reached kind of like the pinnacle of my academic career because that's what I wanted to do since, you know, like by by my twenties, but I wasn't really satisfied. I wasn't satisfied. And so I decided to basically burn everything. So change, change fields. I went from being the about like towards the end of 2016, I basically quit their job to take another job and work on something that I wasn't really familiar with, but it would give me the, the, the possibility to actually learn a new uh, a new field and like make connections, work instead of like uh, academia and government labs in like a private companies. So it was a big change in, in like in many in many respects. And so I basically went from, from being like a well-respected, um, you know, kind of um, expert in the field to, to being a scrub, which you know, it, it, took, uh, it took a little bit of um, swallowing my own pride, which was a good, like good teaching experiment, like a, like a teaching experience. So on top of that though, towards the end of 2016, I was also dating uh, this woman for two years, her name is Teal, and uh, and we just moved in together that summer. So in September 2016, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which uh, it's, it's kind of a, it, it's a chronic illness that it's incurable. And it like kind of destroys destroys your nerves. So some people, you know, can like lose their uh, the use of their limbs or like use their eyesight or be like have chronic pain. And the 
the particularly kind of like nerve-wracking thing about this is that it doesn't, it's not just like something like a flu that you get and it just like progresses and and you just like get worse and worse and worse. It's basically comes in bursts that they call relapses. So basically you're one day you're fine and you're like hanging out with your friend. The day after you wake up and you're like, oh wait, I can't move my right leg. It's so on the floor. yeah, completely random. Yeah. So yeah. basically the entropy in my life like exploded. So right now I had you know, the woman that I, I moved in with, I wanted to marry and my like nice, safe government job at NASA where everyone respected me. And now I went to being like the newbie, this new field where, you know, like the, 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 the company that I joined, like the people were like super flamboyant to me there. And, and then like dealing with, with uh, my, the, the, the person that I'm in love with being having like this very serious illness that no one really knows very much about. So yeah, that was, that was very difficult. That was very difficult. And how did I deal with that? So, well, Mark was, you, you were like a, like a big part of, of dealing with that. Like we, we had a, like a lot of uh, kind of our weekly, uh, we touched base weekly with our war consults where we just like, discussed our lives and how to cope with these kind of things and uh that's where you know i really got very deep into meditation and studied buddhism studying like stoicism which is all about basically all of this stuff is to kind of reframe what happens to you and you know, you, you probably talked about it like in your podcast before is the, the difference between pain and suffering. So I was going through a lot of pain, mm -hmm. but uh, the, the, the trick, I think like the tricky part was not to suffer about it and, and try to take all of these things as a, an opportunity for growth and, um, you know, learning about stoicism. That's what that was one thing or, for example, now I got dealt this card where my life is like complete random, right? It's like at one day my my uh, my the the personal life is fine, but by the way, the the story evolves into you know us getting married the year after. Uh, so I that was another like you know non trivial decision uh, where oh, yeah. you know you're dating someone and. It's not that you're like you're marrying married for 20 years and that person becomes like gets cancer and you're like, oh, you know, you you will always be with them, et cetera, et cetera. Like here you're like dating for like two or three years. I don't remember exactly. Are you okay with spending the rest of your life with this in you, in your life? Right. So so I mean that's a crazy was, choice, right? I mean yeah, that's a, it was a difficult that, like, decision that you see in movies. That's a choice that like, you know, you talk about with your loved one, like, hey, if I got cancer, would you still love me? But for you, that actually happened. Yep. <laughs> you know, that I know. was real for you. It was real, and uh, he ain't easy. He ain't, he ain't easy like in the in the movies, because you know, fear is a very is a very real thing, and and we seek security, and you your your brain starts playing tricks on you, and if you don't acknowledge that. 
so that's the thing that kind of aggravated me the most about this whole process where like there were people that were like didn't even acknowledge how difficult the situation was that was like you know oh yeah obviously you know you're just gonna like spend the rest of your life together and uh you're, you're gonna deal with all this but i'm like yeah okay sure like, can i think about it for a couple of months so <clears throat> and um and in the end i think it boils down on what kind of person teal was and she stepped up too uh to 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 the challenge because like something like this can destroy you and can like you can like fall into uh, depression don't recover no one would actually blame you i mean you have a chronic ill and you know the the poor you poor you but she she really showed me kind of a what what kind of person she is and she showed me like that she convinced me that she's the person I want to spend the rest of my life with because she, she never acted like she was defeated. I know she's an unbelievably strong person. I mean, yeah. I, it's such a privilege for me to know her too. So yeah, I won that. Um, and uh, I won that in my life. I wanted that in my life. So that's, that's how I decided to, uh, to go ahead, get married. And now we have, it. we just had a baby and she, we are, you know, knock on wood, we're, we're dealing with, uh, with the progression of the illness way in like, in a way that she's, she's doing, she's doing okay. She's like doing small hikes. Last year, we just did uh, a, like a big gathering with, uh, with the tribes in Zion with Mark and family, etc. So it, what, the message here is, folks, just feel the fear, but but just do it anyway, because otherwise you will you will be paralyzed. But you yeah. also need to deal with the uncertainty. Can you say a little bit about what that was like for you? Like when that fear hit you or that uncertainty hit you? Had you ever felt anything like that before in your life? Or was uh, it like a, a new level of ashes? Yeah. So that's another, again, like reframing everything that happened to me like into a growth opportunity. Yes, I have all of this and I got to learn how to deal with chaos, for example, or all of these happens to me and Teal and basically it acted as a focusing filter, focusing function. And basically it lets you, it strips your life down to what really matters. Like all the fluff that we used to care about and worry about and be aggravated uh, like by this is all like a kid's game so that's like that was like a the big revelation for us which you know I, i'm not saying like i'm thanking ms and everything which is like would i like to be uh to be like disease free and completely completely unaware maybe right but that this happened to me so so we used it to really think about our life and understand what's what's really valuable like the the friends that are really friends the people that can they really have compassion or the people that just like go through the motions and so so yeah that was like unlike anything i experienced before because um and i realized that yeah like the problems that i thought i had until then weren't really problems so that's that's a cool thing to 
to learn when you're like in your mid thirties. Some people learn that when they're like 70 and you're like, oh shit, I, <laughs> I wasted 70 years of my life. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> when something, so, something bad happens to them at that age, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I, you know, invested all this time and energy into exactly. like collecting baseball cards or something. Right. Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. oh man, I really should have spent more time with my grandkids. Um, I mean, it makes me think that's your original ashes story. I've done uh, sweat lodges, which at one day I'm going to get you out to do one. Where do I want to. Yes. You're in it. And it's like really hot. It's like almost 200 degrees, like almost dying hot, like heat stroke hot. And when you're there and you're on the ground and you're just sweating and dying, your brain gets to a place where it's shut down. And the only thoughts that you have are important, right? Because everything exactly. else just gets like melted, right? It just exactly. like melts your neurons you and you, you can't think time. about anything else. Yeah, yeah you can't. You don't, you don't have time for that. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. So... So that's that's like the story for me. Like the the, the ashes is this um, kind of disintegration of everything that I thought I knew and I thought I had control over. And how you get out of it is it's all this work. Because again, like you can get defeated, and that's probably like the more natural reaction to it. Or you can, you know, really toughen up, like and get. And like react to the pressure with, uh, with 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 growth, so and then you get out of the ashes, and then like the, I think the year after we went in the Abbey to like naming like all the years, it was something like the Phoenix, and then like on fire. So like it, it went better. So yeah, so 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 we went. You know, we got married, and now we have a kid, and we just was born, little Georgia Marcelli, and. Uh, I learned about, you know, chaos theory and Robert Boyd, which uh, we'll 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 talk about in uh, in another in another podcast, maybe. Um, so all good stuff. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about that when we come back from our commercial break. We'll talk about stoicism. We'll talk about chaos theory. We'll talk about Buddhism. I think there's a lot that we can go, you know, coming off of this ashes experience. I'd imagine the listeners want to hear, you know, what kind of changes you made and how your perspective shifted after going through this intense burning period. So for those of you listening at home, check us out on social media. It's Mark M. Maslow at everything. If you're liking what you're hearing, give us a like, share it. Everything helps, especially as we're starting this podcast off. Every little hype, every little promotion really helps to get us um, really moving in the right direction. So stay tuned and we'll talk to you on the next. what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn in mark's work with high performers and business owners it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves they are the experts in their field but are dragged down by their anxiety poor time management inability to focus or self-sabotage his role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life 
One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azale.teachable.com. That's Mark, M-A-R-C-Azale, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Thank you for joining host Mark Azale for From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll have another edition of the program then. Meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same. Until next time. Welcome back to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azale, and we are talking to Francesco Marsili about his year of the ashes experience where he changed jobs went from being the top of his field super scientist to being an absolute scrub (laughs) (laughs) prove himself to a bunch of nerds that were half his age um and on top of that having his you know girlfriend at the time now wife uh now mother of his children go through ms and he just really having to question and simplify and focus and um, burn off a lot of the excess in his life so he could really focus on what was important to him. And over the break, we were talking about some of the philosophies that were helpful. And, you know, you mentioned chaos theory, you mentioned Buddhism, you mentioned stoicism. And let's start with chaos theory, because I'd imagine our listeners aren't as familiar with that one uh, than with the other. So tell us about it. Yes. So chaos theory, let me let me put it in in this term. So the reason I uh, stumbled upon chaos theory is because I was, my life became like very, very uncertain. And so I was trying to look into a, a way like strategies to deal with uncertainty. And so I stumbled upon this guy called John Boyd, not Robert Boyd. It's like, Robert Bly is from the, uh, is like the, the ashes eater, eat eaters. John Boyd is like this uh, strategist from, from the 60s that <clears throat> it's kind of a genius. It's kind of like modern Sun Tzu, like the art of war. He read like all these strategies of the past and like improved on Sun Tzu. And you probably never heard about him. Me neither. It was just like very like serendipity. So, so so John Boyd was was um, this person that studied chaos theory and uh, kind of got elements of it to and applied those to military strategy, which was perfect for me because uh, you know my life became as unpredictable and complex 
as as a as a battlefield. So what what are these kind of like buzzword like chaos theory, complexity? So in uh, in a let me give you an example of how chaos was even discovered, right? So chaotic systems are not random system. It's not like random noise, like stuff like white noise, right? Like the static from your radio. Uh, chaotic system are like the weather where the chaos theory was, was actually discovered by a meteorologist that he was like kind of, uh, it was modeling the weather and he was running, running the simulations and he ran several, like the same simulation, like several times and got like drastically different, um, just really different results. And he realized that the reason for that was that the, the starting point, the starting state for, for the simulation had very, very small, inf- that's because of like the, the computers at the time, like had like infinitesimal uh, differences in the starting conditions. So basically that, you know, zero point, you know, six zeros and then one difference, like 10 to the minus six, like one millionth of a, uh, of a of a, a part, one part in a million differences can create get amplified and like create later on like very very big uh, differences, right? So it's kind of like the butterfly effect. Yeah, right? exactly. So yeah. The, the butterfly effect, uh, you know, like the the butterfly is is uh, is, uh, is flapping uh, its wings in in Bangalore, and there is a tornado in 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 America, you know, something like that. So. And there is like a mathematical for, and you know, this can be applied, for example, to 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 a lot of things like flow of fluids, for example, the the, the flow of the heart from the heart into the aorta is it, it's it's basically like a chaotic it, it's chaotic um, turbulent uh, or like the atmosphere. Uh, has has turbulence, which is chaos. So, but the idea there, just to simplify, is is the following: basically, you have a system that is um, that is rapidly changing and is complex in the sense that you can't really predict it with a model. So, like like a, think about a battlefield. You can't really like predict how a battle is going to go. So what do you do? It's like, do you have a model where you have a general that is like giving orders to everybody across like like a 180 horizon where you have like thousands of people fighting at the same time? That's the recipe for for disaster because you can't possibly keep up with all like the 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 kind of the minutia of what's going on. So what you do is you basically need to relinquish control and to empower the different units to make their own decisions. But you need to do it in a way that you know that they will roughly follow certain guidelines. So they will not, you know, like they will, that's where like the training goes on. So it's basically distributed. And this is also like how modern military, like a desert storm, for example, uh, worked like that's why you know that like at a certain point like the the Iraqis were so confused that were like shooting at each other or something like that when when that happened 
it's because um, if you distribute the control, you give uh, you you make execution like much much faster. So anyway, so this is this is kind of a kind of a rabbit hole, but this is just an example of the of the things that I I had to to start learning and uh, the stuff that I had to you know like the the new tools that I had to acquire to to deal with this situation. So in the end, in a nutshell, you don't need to read Boyd or Cow's theory. How do you deal with uncertainty? That's like my boiled down like one sentence. How do you like how do you deal with uncertainty? Uh, are rapidly changing conditions a situation where your wife could wake up in in a wheelchair from one day to another? Options, just create multiple options for you, and that's how you can you can deal with it. And you know maybe some options you will never you will never use, right? And but it's not it's not a and you might think, oh, you know, like you're just wasting time and energy, but it depends on the the uncertainty that you're dealing with. So options to deal with chaos. Well, and I think the part you talked about with Boyd of relinquishing control from the top is really critical. You know, it's moving from a top-down model, right? The general scheme yep. rising to a bottom-up model, which is every individual unit having some power and having some yep. control. And more important, like you said, having training. So, you know, when I see how you work with Teal and how you work in your life, it really is focusing on the details, but not letting your ego get in the way. And I think that's where Buddhism kind of ties in, right? Where it's like um, not letting the plan become a certainty and not like being so focused on the outcome of what's going to look like. But, you know, if all your little individual pieces are ticking together, working really in synchronicity, then it's going to work out, right? And you might actually get a more favorable result than what you had in your mind. Yes, the plan is not the prediction, meaning like if you make a plan, you should never, I mean, I never expect for what my life is, what it looks like, I never expect for things to go exactly as as I picture it in my mind. That's that's better than no plan, right? Because like the normal, like the, the, another reaction could be, oh, you know, there's too much chaos in your life, so why plan? Just don't plan, just like, just do it. Just live every day, day by day. That's that's not really me, first of all. And uh, way too neurotic and for say, that. It's never gonna work. Yeah, uh, it's never gonna work. But also, like, there is only a limited thing, like, uh, amount of things that you can, you know, you can get done or you can accomplish with that, right? For example, having a kid, right? Having a kid uh, with Tio. Talk, yeah, talk about chaos. So. But even like getting there, so Teal has has this disease, and she she's taking some meds that we don't know how they are affecting uh, the fetus, right? Because there's no, for ethical reason, there's not much research on drugs on pregnant women for ob- very obvious reasons. So again, that was like a jump into the void. We don't know. What do you do? Like, do you live? like day by day and you're paralyzed by fear and you're like, oh, I will never have a kid because this could go wrong. That's not me. That's not Teal. So so we said, you know, let's just make a plan and uh, and let's see. And we're going to deal and we're going to, and we put together like a lot of like contingency plans and, and, and options to to deal with whatever could, could go wrong. And 
And uh, that's that's one thing that the Stoics say, is, uh, like a lot of people say, but I think the Stoics probably were the first ones, uh, that we we spend our life worrying about things that never happen. So, and I do that too. It's just that I, I just do stuff anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? We uh, we often re uh, reference the uh, Dune like litany of fear, oh, yeah. right? Which is fear the, is the mind killer. That's what it's all about. And And what the whole point of that thing is that it's not about not feeling fear, right? It's about feeling the fear and then doing it anyway and pushing through it. And in that, right, you get stronger, right? In that you learn to tolerate more fear, you learn to build courage. It's actually an active practice instead of a passive thing. Absolutely. I think fear is sometimes, you know, like jumping off of a bridge, clearly you should, you should listen to the fear and not do it. So, you know, be smart. But, but uh, sometimes fear tells you where the growth and where the value and where the prize is because where that's the stuff that like most most people don't want to do right and so if you do it that's that's where you might actually then uh, reap the the rewards but you know always this 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 is not an absolute there are like there are situations where you know like uh, fear it's it's uh it tells you to actually get out of a situation or you should do it you know, like another time we can talk about my encounter with a grizzly bear in Denali. So at that point, you don't go and play with the grizzly bear. You just tell that story now. We have time. Oh, for that's sure. One. That's a good one. Uh, that, that, that's a pretty good one. So so that's me. So so just um, this is kind of like a, the, the cultural clash that uh, that I had or like the cultural adaptation right? that I had to go through, like going from coming from Italy to the U.S. This is. I was not really fresh off, but uh, it was probably like only a few years uh, uh, since I, I immigrated into the U.S. And in Italy, we have nature, we have national parks, but like, you know, we've been, we basically urbanized everything, right? So we have like, you're lucky to see a little bit of wildlife if you go to a national park, if you see like it's like a... a a teeny tiny like black bear or like some rare bird that's like you you actually worth your trip so it didn't really register with me that if you go in the middle of denali national park in alaska that's like the wild <laughs> you are where it's basically that's where the wild is right so it's not like some kind of tamed nature like a rescued oasis that's like stuff that has been that way for like thousands of years and you're just there and you should be you know you should be very very careful because you're you're not on top of the of the food chain so so i go there already with like this kind of spirit it's like oh i hope i can see a grizzly bear maybe from 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 like far away etc and that happened like 20 minutes into driving in i i saw a grizzly bear with a cub and i was like i consider myself very lucky then we got like progressively, like I was with a group of, of other Italians with like no expertise of the real like wilderness. And also we got into Denali like after hours. So we didn't have the briefing with the rangers where they tell you, hey, this is bear country. Be careful. Put your food in the bear canister and like you have bear spray and whatever. So day after, no briefing, no nothing, no bear canister. No, no bear spray. No, absolutely like 
you know, like when you see like these documentaries of, uh, of like stuff, like how could the tourists be so stupid? So that was me. <laughs> we decided to just like walk into the wild, like into like straight line into the tundra and just like camp out for the night. And that was exactly this this weekend, like the Memorial Day weekend, which which in Denali they call Bear Weekend, which is basically when all the grizzly bears wake up and they're hungry and they come from like the mountains wherever they're sleeping and they come down to the valley and eat everything that they find. And so we we set out uh, camp right with our food just like hanging there with like. No, no, no way to kind of like contain the smell. And then we went on a hike just to know, to sizzle our appetite before dinner. And that's when we met the first grizzly bear, but like met close encounter, like probably, I don't know, 20 feet or something like that. And that's like primal fear. That's like primal fear. They're like, oh my God, this thing is like as big as a smart car and walking towards me. So. So in that case, well, we, we are alive, clearly, because the ranger rescued us. Thank you, rangers in Denali. You're awesome. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was a case where um, you should listen to, listen to your fear and actually uh, walk very at, at, uh, at a very um, kind of uh, <laughs> fast pace, walk away from the grizzly bear. Don't run. Don't run. Don't run. They're going to think you're prey. Well, and that's a good example of when, you know, having no plan <laughs> doesn't really work. Absolutely. Exactly. Right? That's Just why. Like, yep. Casual hanging out in bear country during bear weekend. You got destroyed. After hours, right? No planning. No yep. options. I remember that you brought a knife. Remember you were telling me, you're like, I got this knife <laughs> like in case the bear gets me. And I was like, brother, if a bear gets close enough for you to stab it, you're already dead. You're yeah, already yeah. You're already dead. You're not going to be able to fight a bear with a knife. The blade of the knife was as long as one of the claws of the bear. It's like, yeah, yeah. Don't don't try to win a, a knife fight with a grizzly bear. That's the takeaway. Well, as we're moving into our final segment here, uh, if you want to hear more from Francesco, uh, shoot us an email at podcast at mark-asley.com. I want to forward all of that over to him. If you want to have him back on a panel uh, for another season, I'd love to hear any feedback you have about the episode. And as we move into our next commercial break, we'll talk directly to you guys and see what um, might be helpful for you if you've been in a summer situation. So stay tuned and we'll catch you on the other side. what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn in mark's work with high performers and business owners it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves they are the experts in their field but are dragged down by their anxiety poor time management inability to focus or self-sabotage His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. 
One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azale.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azale, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Thank you for joining host Mark Azale for From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll have another edition of the program then. Meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same. Until next time. Welcome back to From the Ashes. We're talking about Francesco almost getting destroyed by a bear and Denali having to get evacuated by the, the Rangers um, and the importance really of having options, having options and anticipating uncertainty and, you know, dancing with the chaos instead of either A, trying rigidly to hold on to a plan way too much or B, not having a plan, as in the case with the bear fight. Um, so Francesco, in our last segment here, what we do is we try to speak directly to listeners. So if there's someone out there listening that has been in an ashes situation that has, you know, felt these parts of themselves burn out, that has, you know, changed jobs or is dealing with a chronic illness or has to make a big change in their life, what would you want them to hear? Yes, great. That um, let me let me think a bit about what would have helped me at the time. I mean, a lot of like a big part of what helped me was you know, talking to you, like and figuring out things uh, together, uh, right? Uh, some actually, a lot of uh, a lot of the help came from you from your Buddhist uh, training, and because you introduced Mark is the person that introduced me to meditation. I that's like the first time I sat and meditated was with you uh, at Naropa. So so definitely. Um, so let's see. Let's think about this. So. One thing is I suggest that whatever you do, whatever situation you're in, even if you're winning, even if you're top of your game, top of the world, start meditating. Just carve out 20 minutes in your life. If you don't have 20 minutes, you don't have a life. So just do it. Sleep 20 minutes less, play Halo 20 minutes or whatever popular game, you know, You know, just 20 minutes less and sit down. You don't even need to do it like in uh, like with legs crossed on the floor, like you're like a fakir or whatever. Just like sit on your in on the couch in a comfortable way and meditate. And there are really right now, I think is 
it's kind of a different landscape than years ago when I started, where I, I actually had the, the luck to, to meet with, with Mark and, and his crew that were like a bunch of like Buddhist meditators that like explained the ropes, right? Now that you have apps and you have like top level, like uh, uh, Buddhist teachers that for free give you like Dharma talks in uh, on your phone right so this is great for example i for the longest time i used um i i just like uh, meditated by myself like in silence right now i'm using the 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 sam harris app that is called waking up you know we, we have no financial stake in that but uh, uh this is just one of many uh, there's oak there is uh well mark can can, can name some others calm yes Exactly. A lot of great waking up. Yeah. yeah. Waking up is, is pay you, you, you pay for it. And I think it's something like a hundred bucks for a year. So just like 30 cents a day, give me a break. Right. So why do you need that? So here's the waking thing. Up, please sponsor us. We would like to be please sponsor us. You know, I mean, if you, you can send us Bitcoin, gold yeah. uh, checks, I accept anything. So that that's the, so why meditation? The what I got wrong at the beginning about meditation, I thought that was another ashes time because I had a little breakup with my little girlfriend at the time, uh, which I realized that it wasn't really you know a big deal, but you know it took me a while to get there. Anyway, so I was in the ashes at the time, and I was really down, and I was like, oh, let me meditate so I feel better. That's not exactly how it works. It's not that you're stressed, you're sad, you're pissed and you meditate and you're all good and you're like buddha right it's basically like trying if you think like that is like trying to fix a rotten tooth brushing your teeth when you have a rotten tooth you gotta go to the dentist and you know like you need to prevent the the tooth from getting the cavity by brushing and the brushing is meditation so for you to to avoid being getting into the the pattern of like reactivity and being like really affected by what happens to you on on the rag in your life meditation that's that's what that's what it does that's basically what allows you to take a little bit of a step from what's happening to you and just like ponder a little bit like what the reaction to it, uh, the measured reaction to it should be. That's at least what, what it was for me. So it's not like stressed, oh, I see 20 minutes, I'm good. It's more like sit for like 10 years, 20 minutes a day. And then when some real shit happens to you, you will be able to be there for yourself present, for yourself, for the people that need you, that are around you. Think about you know your loved one being died, I was there in the room with the doctor when they told Gil, like, you might have a mess. And, like, you better keep your shit together and be there and be strong and, and be comforting and grounding for a person that gets diagnosed with something like that. So, that's the way I think about it. So, that's a very, very big tool uh, for me. And I know it's a pain in the ass. Like, the the meditation, I mean, brushing it. Do you like brushing your teeth? No, I, I don't like brushing my teeth. I would like, you know, to not not brush and have perfect teeth, and you know, and but but that's not how the world works. 
it's a it's a pain because it's, it's very it's very boring and uh, but but uh, it's important it's important. So and that's why for a lot of people just starting, it's not just boring. It's like really uncomfortable. I remember oh, yeah. when I first started meditating, it's like I mean physically uncomfortable is just one thing, but it's mentally and like psychically uncomfortable. You know because it's not like in the movies where you're just like namasteing and you know levitating on the you know mount fuji right it's like it i hit my anxiety i would feel uh -huh. so anxious i would feel uh -huh. so scared i would have like you know shaking i would have kind of old memories old shame old regrets like everything just like gets dumped into your brain during yeah. that time and it's the opportunity to work through that and feel through that and be present for all that stuff that you know at least me i repressed right for most of my life until i started meditating but i just want people to know that it's not calm like it's not like a chill thing oh it, it looks comes that like down the line i think once you kind of go through the ram and you can like unload a lot of the intensity but in the beginning it's really uncomfortable uh for people it has a really steep learning curve actually yes it's, it's very uncomfortable and it's basically constant failure because the, depending on what type of uh, of meditation you do, and I don't know the, the 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 Sanskrit name for it, you can help me on that, Mark. But I I do the the meditation where you just focus on your breath and you you just like not you focus on that, and whenever a thought arises arises, you just like break it and go back to focusing on your breath, or maybe you focus on the floor. I meditate with my eyes open, staring at my floor, right? So. And you might think that if you don't manage to hold that state of like no thoughts in your mind, focused on your breath, you're doing it wrong. But actually the exercise is to break the thought and go back. Because your mind is, think about your mind as a computer. Your the comp Windows is like, it's an operating system. So it does stuff. It does stuff and it shows you things all the time. So the exercise is to stop the program and go back to like kind of a blank screen if you want, but it, you can only stop that flow for a, a very, very short time at the beginning. And then with you know, time and many, many years and many, many hours of practice, it gets like longer and longer, right? But you know, I'm, my, I'm not a yogi, I'm not, I'm not like a monk or anything. So 20 minutes, also to mitigate people's expectations with 20 minutes a day for 10 years, maybe you can have your empty mind for like a minute. You know, it's not, yeah. that's yeah. like, I just did it this morning. And by this morning, I was thinking like the whole time because I have a lot going on in my mind and that's it. It's fine. It's not that I'm doing it wrong or I suck at meditation. It's, it's, it's just the exercise that, that uh, is frustrating. I, you know, until I understood this, it was very frustrating for me. But that's the actual exercise. And it's thinking, you know, like with the, 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 the people like walking on, on, a, on a rope. It's just like you can only have like that very precarious like balance on the rope if you're not a, like a super expert for, for, for like a fraction for, of a minute, like for a few seconds. So that's cool. Uh, what else? Meditate. Read the Stoics. Read the Stoics. I like the Stoic. I like Buddhism a lot. I like the Stoics uh, a little more because of their engagement with life. They were all very, very active and very engaged. Where sometimes 
if you follow, I think, like certain traditions in Buddhism, you just like kind of like take a step out or back from life. But the most famous Stoics, or like at least like the one, there's not much <clears throat> that survived and came, you know, arrived like to to like uh, untouched, uh, right? To us, uh, so so there's there are not many original sources, but like some of the most prominent are Marcus Aurelius, who was a Roman emperor, uh, and he was like at the apex of the Roman Empire. So like think about being like the the most powerful man in the world, but people also legit think you're a god. So and it was a story. Pretty tight. And yeah, yeah. and and uh, so it was like waging war and doing all this stuff. And then another one is Seneca. Seneca was the richest man in Rome. So it's like, think about, you know, being, I don't know, like super Bill Gates, you're Bill, Bill Gates, and he was also the teacher of ne another emperor, Nero. So, so very engaged with life, but also it's impressive if, so the cool th one reading that it, it actually definitely made me think a lot is this diary of the emperor Marcus Aurelius. It's called Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, which is a very thin, book very pretty easy to read it's basically a collection of aphorisms that was basically marcus like writing his diary at the end of each day like you know emperoring uh doing emperor stuff in rome it's like before going to bed he would just write down you know just uh you are not hot shit because you're an emperor who do you think you are you're just a human right or like some days you feel like you don't want to get out of bed, but it's in your nature to actually bring good to the world. This It's crazy if you think about who this person was and what he was actually thinking. And uh, and he's also another thing that strikes me is that it's like 2000 years old and how really, um, how to say, actual and current that that book feels. So the Stoics. Yeah, I think it's incredible. I mean, I think another great resource is like the uh, the Tao of Seneca that Tim Ferriss puts out. Mm -hmm, it's just mm -hmm. like a bunch of letters that Seneca writes to like a young uh, like Roman senator. And I think yep. for anyone that is interested in in leadership, right, and who's in leadership positions, who's you know maybe an entrepreneur, or a startup founder, or something like that, it's really incredible to get this advice from a mentor. That, like you said, it's unbelievable how relevant the stuff that he's saying is now. Yeah, it's, it's inspiring that like the human condition really hasn't changed, you know, yeah. in whatever it was 2000 years. Yeah, in the end, like it, it talks about human nature. And yes, the circumstances are, are different, but how we feel about them, how we react to them, it's, it's pretty much the same It's the same software in our mind. So Francesco, as we're wrapping up our podcast episode here, uh, where can people find you if they want to learn more about Francesco Marsili? Uh, let's see. I am on Twitter at uh, at F Marsili and uh, also on Facebook. It's Francesco Marsili. And uh, if you if you want to chat more of like uh, go deeper in in whatever, you can also shoot shoot me. You can also shoot me an email, and we can uh, maybe we can post the um, uh, my email on with the with the, um, the show notes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
So thank you so much for tuning in to From the Ashes. Uh, please support us if you can. As we're starting this podcast, any support really, really helps us, especially reviews. So if you're on iTunes, hit us with that five-star review because we obviously deserve it. Anything that helps to get us on the front page is really helpful. If you've gotten something out of this podcast, uh, it's a small ask, and I think it will help you know move this project forward. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next week with another episode of From the Ashes. Take care. Thank you for joining host Mark Azale for From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll have another edition of the program then. Meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same. Until next time.